Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. We are still very much knee deep in tech. And this is episode 114, recorded on the 8th of April 2020. We are still in lockdown, just like the rest of the world. But we have our Finn return to us. And I have it on good authority that he is not dead. He is, in fact, not dead. Would you care to comment, Tony? Staying alive! Staying alive! Oh, he did it. Oh, he did it. <laughs> That's the name of this episode, Staying Alive. Yeah, so I heard your guys' uh, 13th episode where you gave me much love in the beginning, so thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, in fact, I am still alive, very much. Alive and kicking. And screaming. And screaming. So... Uh, how is your arm? Well, it's getting better, of course, day by day, uh, getting better. So I didn't actually need uh, any surgery uh, this time around. So they just put me under and uh, managed to just use mostly violence, I suppose, to get the shoulder in place. But uh, yeah, they did not need to operate. So that's always something, I suppose. Oh, it's, it's definitely something. Well, we hope you get a speedy recovery because having one arm in, in not only a sling, but a locking sling is a bit of an issue, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I feel almost more handicapped now after the uh, procedure than I did before. So before I could actually, I suppose, use my arm to some extent, uh, even though it was extremely painful. Uh, but now that I'm actually having this, you know, arm uh, support uh, locking mechanism thingy, uh, that makes the arm pretty much useless. So some tasks I need to remove this, uh, the support and uh, yeah, the rest of the 10-day period I will need to have it on 24-7, even when I'm sleeping. Oh, but but I would I would view it as an exoskeleton. Yeah, I'm half Terminator now. Yeah, <laughs> finished Terminator. <laughs> Terminatory. Uh, but yeah, so this whole uh, arm supporting uh, actually raised a few technical uh, challenges as well. So, you know, I pretty much hated doing the one arm typing thing or one hand typing thing. So uh, for 10 days, I did not want to be on sick leave from work because, well, I work in IT, so uh, I can still use my mind and I can still use my right arm, which is my primary hand as, uh, as well. So <clears throat> I was uh, looking for solutions for um, not needing to type as much or make it somewhat easier. So dictation came to mind, which Windows has had built in for many, many years by now. Did, did you go for dictation first before you decided on not to buy a, a some kind of, of slave? <laughs> uh, yeah, that... I never actually thought about that. That might have been a better idea, actually. It would be better for the economy. Oh, of course it would. Uh, maybe we should be hire able a secretary. To, yeah, maybe we could even use like some uh, Swedish, you know, tax uh, um, refunds for that. I suppose root of drug and everything. What's what it's called? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I actually tried out uh, briefly the Windows 10 built-in dictation uh, features and. Uh, it was actually better than expected because in my mind having used you know dictation throughout the years just for laughs you know just try it out sometimes it has been pretty much terrible but uh, i mean uh, with the advent of you know siri uh, cortana and all of these kind of things i suppose dictation and voice recognition all in all has improved immensely uh, just the last few years 
So if, did if, you then? Yeah. Yes, sir. Did you then do dictation in English or Swedish? Uh, I only tried the English one in Windows 10. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first try I did over the week weekend, so uh, it worked fairly well. And I suppose if you would continue to use it and actually, uh, you know, learn it, uh, tell it, okay, this word is not that word; it's this word. So it would actually learn uh, my voice better and be able to match the uh, correct words better as time goes by. So yeah. the longer you use it, the better it gets. But uh, yeah, I, I was surprised by how good it actually was. And what I was even more surprised was that uh, the same, pretty much the issues um, came with phone use as well. You know, texting by phone, you know, you answer an email in your phone, you use WhatsApp in your phone, Twitter, whatever. So the same thing there. Uh, it's I'm used to using both hands when typing, even on the mobile. So... Using one hand typing just takes more time. Okay, the sweeping uh, keyboard is actually pretty good. But I remember that, hey, there's a mic icon on there as well. So you can actually talk to your phone. And that worked excellently, pretty much flawlessly in both English and Swedish. And so the, the, the main difference that I find in, in, I was about to say talking to your phone, but I think you know what I mean, as opposed to talking to your computer is that Talking to your phone is generally the same way we are talking right now. It's it's normal English. It's not full of weird um, words. If you're trying to work by dictation, you're going to immediately run into the wall of the technicalities. Uh, dictation does not play well with, with SQL, for instance. It does not play well with PowerShell either. So that is that is difficult. I don't think it's impossible, but it's difficult. I'm trying to find that article now because they showed off that specific challenge at Build last year where they've just introduced uh, industry-specific machine learning models for voice recognition. So remember that they on stage showed coding or coders talking to one another in similar or a number of different languages. And Cortana at that point were able to pick it up perfectly, even like, the, the specific lingo of developers. And I know that they're experimenting with that for healthcare, especially, and, and coding. So I'm, I'm trying to find the feature, but it's definitely getting there, and you will be able to train it on your own internal language. So you can basically jack it in into your Office 365 tenant. That's the idea, at least. And it will pick up the unique words you use inside of your, even, even inside of your company, and it will learn that. So product names, code names, uh, locations, whatever it may be. So in theory, would that be possible to use it for like Klingon in the long run? It should be. Should be. Klingon is, is if I remember, where is it supported? It is supported in one of the operating systems, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I, I still have a cassette of Mark Okrand, the guy that, designed Klingon, his conversational Klingon. I have the, the original cassette in, in my uh, my uh, study. So yeah, we're, we're good. That, that's quite impressive. And you know, since it's 2020 now, and we might have some younger listeners here, a cassette is a magnetic tape that was used in ancient times for recording audio, for example, or video even. <laughs> Thank you for that history lesson. 
Oh, uh, some sometimes I I just can't figure out why the heck I keep your company. I I old, can't decide who's relevant. Oh, for <laughs> anyways, uh, it's been a pretty quiet week. It's been a surprisingly quiet week, I should say. Um, the the main thing that I've come across is the statement from Microsoft that says that all the Microsoft events until the first half of 2021, that would be up until July 2021, is going to be virtual. And that includes Build. We already know that Ignite is going to go digital, and that's going to be interesting, to say the least. And now we know for a fact that Build and the 2021 MVP Summit is going to be virtual as well. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft will be redrawing the map of online events. Because there is only so much you can do with an online event if you model it on a physical event. I'm pretty sure that we haven't even seen half of the the things that we can do with an online event if we're not tethering it to uh, behave like a normal event. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm somewhat skeptical, but that's me. But I'm also very, very curious because this is going to be the way forward, uh, regardless of, of COVID-19 or not. Definitely. And I like I think we discussed the last time. I have a couple of ideas. So on how Knee Deep in Tech can do our thing as always and uh, even probably enhance the experience of the attendees, regardless if they are virtual or in one way or another physical yeah i mean one one great way that we can really enhance the the experience is not being there at all yeah <laughs> stay stay tuned right so uh, i there is one thing that i really really need to ask you guys and that is about the the windows admin center so Simon, you've put in into our, our discussion uh, material here, there is a new preview. But before we go into the preview, uh, I'm going to give you just an example of a situation that I'm at. And please do remember, before you tell me I'm a complete idiot, that I, I really don't do Windows servers very well. So I have two servers that I'm going to be running SQL Server on. And I am not at all interested in having any graphical user interfaces. I will not be installing the management studio on those machines because you're you're supposed to go into a, a management machine and use that to, to manage my, my uh, servers. How would I install stuff like clustering services? I'm I can do that not using the, the Windows Admin Server Center for sure, but how would I be using the Windows Admin Center? to manage my my two basically headless machines. How does it work? Very easily. I like that. Yeah, so you <clears throat> make sure you have your admin center installed somewhere, the gateway component, uh, and then you can just browse to that gateway component and add your two servers to that, which means that now Windows Admin Center will be able to talk to your SQL servers, SQL boxes. From there, uh, you can just select that you want to create a cluster. So basically, I do with with Windows Admin Center what I did with SQL Server Management Studio. I just install a component on my management server and point it towards my two uh, nodes, and then I'm good to go. 
Yeah, so that is pretty much exactly the setup that, that I have made uh, in the beginning of the year for uh, our new management server as well. So it is a dedicated management box uh, where, where I've installed Windows Admin Center and also, you know, the usual admin tools that are needed, uh, whatever they may be. And then uh, our support technicians can just browse through that box, uh, open up Admin Center, single sign-on, uh, use delegated um, Kerberos delegation for a single sign-on to the machines. Uh, I have added some shared connections, which means that those connections are available for everyone by default. And then you also have your private connections, which are machines that you have added yourself, which are not available for everyone else. So you can have your private servers and you also have the sh shared servers. That is awesome. That, that sounds super cool. So you can just add your domain joined machines by searching Active Directory. You can add machines by name. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be domain joined at all. You can just use, you know, specify the credentials for each connection if you like. How is how is communication handled? Is it kind of sort of the now it's not going to be the RDP protocol, is it? Uh, no. Uh, however, that is funny enough. It's still available, but the the way Admin Center usually uh, does everything is by PowerShell in the background. So it it runs WinRM. Oh. So remote PowerShelling. Uh, however. Uh, when you actually click on a, a server connection, uh, there is the option of doing remote desktop uh, through the website as well. So you can open a RDP session to a server, if that's permitted, of course, uh, by firewall rules and everything else. So it's it still needs to be enabled in that case. So you can actually do RDP from Admin Center as well. And you can open a PowerShell prompt, uh, which in your case, I assume, would be a good thing for SQL management. Yeah, because it's funny you should say that because I am managing my SQL servers from the management machine and I'm I'm running PowerShell on that machine and just pointing towards my, my two SQL servers. Oh yeah, so dash computer name, SQL server one. Exactly. Yeah, so you could actually do the same thing from Admin Center, but you would be connected, your PowerShell window would be connected straight to the box. So you would need to use the dash computer name. You just type your command and it will be run on the machine itself. That is very interesting. I need to look into that because I, I really like the idea of, of not having any graphical crap on the server at all. Oh yeah, yeah. Core for the win. Oh yeah. So Simon, what's what's on the the preview? What what do they have? So in this preview, which is and I can't for my life figure out how they made the versioning of this, but this is the preview 1910.2 which makes no sense whatsoever. But it is released on March 31st, 2020. So we'll need to figure that out. Uh, so the main new things may sound small, but I really like the first one. Uh, you have something called the Files tool in Admin Center, which is basically copying and pasting files to and from machines. And you now have the ability to cut, copy, and paste files using the admin center and i'm guessing at least locally on the machine i feel i need to actually have a closer look at that because you have had file management before 
I mean, you have you have been able to upload and download files from your machines before as well, so that's not a new thing. However, copy and copy and paste might not be the same thing. So Up, upload download has always worked, but now we have cut, copy, and paste. Oh, okay, okay. And you also have the ability to restart big file uploads. So if you try to upload a big file and it breaks, you can now restart that upload. And speaking about restarts, you're now also able to restart services from the admin center. You have been able to start and stop services, but not restart services. <laughs> so now you have restart. Uh, the other additions are cluster quick updates. So you will be getting your cluster alerts, um, filters of virtual machines. And this is something I really like. Um, they have uh, eased up the uh, login experience for Azure Update Management. Um, and also some additions to how to create passwords for Active Directory users. And in addition, we have the partner extensions, which I find be, to be one of the coolest parts of Admin Center that it's actually extensible. So if you are managing other things than plain vanilla Windows servers, you can add extensions to it. Uh, we now have the Azure Security Center is GA, which is super cool. You have the HP WAC extension, so HP Enterprise uh, VAC. Windows Admin should, Center. Ah, makes total sense. Uh, it's now available for servers and Azure Stack HCI. Does that mean that you can actually manage the hardware part of the servers through the Admin yes. Center? Yes. Yep, that is yes. the whole point of the extensions in most cases. So Data On, for example, has had this for a long time. I think they were amongst the first ones to develop a, a own extension to Admin Center. And that pretty much meant that you can actually on a hardware level monitor your Data On servers. And the, the principle behind that was, you know, for Dell to do the same with their DRAC and for HPE to do the same with their ILO pretty much. So those types of functions could be written to an extension in Admin Center. So you get pretty much the same sort of uh, dashboard, I suppose, uh, that you already had previously, but it's running under Admin Center. I don't know if you have heard about a company called QCT. No. Ah, I've seen the logo previously. I can't remember. Uh, Tech, I believe it is. I'm not sure. But they, but they do... Um... Quanta Grid and Quantaplex. They do Azure Stack HCI solutions. Uh, so they have an extension which is updated with some new features now. And this is only the preview, remember that. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. And I think that's it's something that we definitely should be using way more than we do today. Oh, and, and speaking of which, is it possible to deploy this using PowerShell and, and automate um, discovery and, and uh, management of, of addition of servers to Windows Admin Center as well? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, however, you can do import server lists, if you like. Okay. So, so if you have like a list of 500 servers, you wouldn't want to type in those manually, right? Hmm. So then you can just use an import list and just say, import these servers. Bam. Done. Cool. Nice. So what's next? Well, what is next? Um... We, we haven't mentioned the fact that we now, which should be like two years later than expected, are up to 1 billion daily active Windows 10 devices. Or is it monthly? 
monthly or daily, I can't remember. So now they hit the target that they set out from the first release of Windows 10. But now we're there. One billion Windows 10 devices. Simon, we need to talk about the number of machines you have. <laughs> yeah, I've been working really, really hard to optimize it. But, you know, once you have booted a Windows machine, you can actually pull it down to like 16 megabytes of RAM. You're, and you're now officially CPU. solving the wrong problem. Now, that, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it took way longer than expected. But again, they were expecting the phone business to grow uh, a bit quicker than it did. Well, it not only didn't grow, it died. That is the, the kind of the antithesis to growing. Yeah, but I would say, like, my, my daughter usually says that grown-ups can't grow. <laughs> so I'm guessing that Windows... Okay, so phone... I'd, I'd go for that. I, I Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, so I would say that Windows Phone were a mature, grown-up operating system. It just couldn't grow anymore. It was already done. You really don't know what mature means, do you? <laughs> But yeah, let's let's move on, <laughs> shall we? Yeah, to um, one of the successes of Windows 10 is definitely the insider program. And I think that I'm, as an endpoint manager MVP, have also really experienced the value that the product group gets from the community. But I think Windows insiders were the one that really opened that up to Microsoft where and made Microsoft realize that this is how we can use our customers, consumers or companies to actually enhance our experience so that that'll that'll be the the guinea pigs right yeah exactly uh and donna sarkar uh, decided to move on to the power platform i think that's a, a brilliant move and she's doing an excellent job there as well but since then there hasn't really been a lead for the windows insider program uh but a couple of weeks ago pandas panai introduced the new lead which is amanda langov langovsky uh, and she has been working with Microsoft for 20 years. She recently, or she has up, up until now been leading the flighting platform team. So she's been leading the team who has been deciding on when to introduce a new build to the fast or the different rings. So she definitely knows how to manage uh, Windows development and how to... Um, have that community engagement. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how she will change the program because I think that Donna had a very unique way of managing it, managing it a very unique way of being the leader of it. Oh, it, uh, it is now the very unique way of leading the Power Platform. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing so. Mm -hmm. uh, and it will be interesting to see how Amanda changes it, if, if she does. Did we ever uh, have her on the show? No, I've met her and I've spoken to her yeah, I remember we met her at Ignite and had a, had a little discussion with her regarding the Insider program, but yeah. I can't remember if we ever had her on the show. No. No, okay. So, so we'll see, and I, I remember when they released the news, I looked into Amanda's Twitter profile, and she at that point had like 300 followers. Uh, 15 minutes later, she was up to 2,000. I think she has a couple of uh, interesting shoes to fill. But I'm definitely certain that she will and that she will be doing a great job. I think that for Panos to appoint someone to that role, he must be really, really certain on what he does. And that person really needs to bring something unique and new and uh, interesting to the table. So welcome, Amanda. 
looking forward to see what you can do with the program. And I'll be a way more active insider now than I've previously been because I've found a feature in the upcoming release that I really, really need in an upcoming project. So this is the first time I've actually said to a customer, would it be okay to run an insider build in production? And since they need that particular feature, I won't say what it is because we'll be looking into that in upcoming episode and blog posts. Uh, but they are probably going to go down that route. Cool. Yep. The the whole going down that route, I just need to uh, walk you guys through an interesting thing that happened the other day. So a, a sales guy called me up and said, I have a lead on a Power BI project. And knowing from experience, that can mean so many things. I said, okay, I'm, I'm more than happy to have a conversation about Power BI with, with the customer. And we started that conversation uh, with the customer saying, yeah, and we're running ClickView. Okay, do tell. How do we go from ClickView to Power BI? Well, no, no, no. We, we, we said that Power BI is one tool that we might look into using, but we are using ClickView now. So we want to visualize our, our um, industrial data. But we turned that discussion around to how do you store that and how do you how do you get access to data? And they, they have 600 machines producing logs twice every second. And how, how do you how do you consume that? And well, the, the answer is Event Hub, Stream Analytics, Databricks, and Bob's your uncle. So it's it's so interesting when you start the conversation with something and realize that, yeah, no, we're going to go that way instead and go completely some somewhere else. Were they using all of these technologies or have you proposed that they should be using these technologies? I proposed that they should be using these technologies because today everything is on-prem. And how do they manage that amount of logs in an on-prem environment? Well, to be fair, they don't because their SQL server has basically died from the impact it Ooh. can't keep up with the the in, influx of, of data and that is one of the main drivers for putting it somewhere where, where we actually can use we, we can take care of that amount of data so they they have a real driver because if they want to do this on-prem they need to upgrade the shit out of that poor sql server I've actually set up, or not me personally, but we have actually uh, just recently set up uh, log shipping with Event Hub in Azure as well for Azure AD auditing. Uh, and that goes hand in hand with all our on-premise uh, uh, domain controllers, which are also doing log shipping to third party. So we are shipping a <clears throat> a ton, let's just put it that way, of uh, information, <laughs> audit information especially. Uh, to a, a third-party company that then does analysis on it and reports back to us. Okay, so, so, so you ship it off to a third-party company that does the crunching of the data for you and lets you know if you have something in your audit logs that looks interesting. Yeah, pretty much. So they, they have like, uh, I don't know if it's weekly or daily meetings even, uh, going through, you know, uh, the reports and stuff. But is it like a SOC or is it something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. so it, it's a SOC. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I have some friends who's in that business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 what, the thing that made me surprised was the pricing. It is dirt cheap 
to go for Event Hub. I mean, it is, it's, it's close to free. For these roughly 100 million, uh, 100 million messages every day, you're, you're looking at below 100 bucks. Per month, yeah, per that, day. that's that's crazy per cheap. Month. Per month, yeah, that that's 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 cheap. Because in this case, we are not looking at any any larger amounts of data, right? We are just looking at a lot of of them. So yeah, yeah. This is not what we we learned when we started working in computers many many years ago. Oh no, really no. Cool. I think we have time for one very quick uh, thing more. Anything you want to go for, Simon? I have two options. Either we talk more about the events or we go for Mac OS. Oh, no, not Mac OS. That's I terrible. I think we're going to go for events. <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually thinking of uh, just pressing the button which says order now, meaning that I would get a new uh, media PC uh, delivered next week. Uh, I think it's time to go the AMD route. Wait, 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 wait. All your horses. Have you just ordered a new computer? I'm about to. You're about to. Okay, a media. What are you going to use that for? Uh, well, it's it's pretty much my main home PC. It just happens to be in the living room, so that's why I call it the media PC. <laughs> but it's your gaming PC as well. Yeah, so gaming and everything else, pretty much. My main home PC. Your main home. Okay, but didn't you just buy a new one? I bought a, th- a Threadripper server, yes. That is for ah, the infrastructure yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, so that's, your, that's your server. Yeah, so that is the one running all the VMs and stuff. Ah, okay. So now you're your private device now. Yeah, pretty much. The main home PC, which is at the moment a old Intel 6700K, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. So it's, it's getting old by now. So It's about the same age as Simon. <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah sure thing like that's um i've always been an amd fanboy to be honest i've always had amd cpus i used to run amd cpus and nvidia graphic cards for many many years uh but over the the last desktop machines i've built has been amd and uh, both graphics and cpus so i i would probably go down that route as well i, I like the underdogs for for virtualization so and i'm really pleased with intel but if i would have been able to get the surface laptop 3 15 inch 32 gigs with ryzen i would have gone for the ryzen just for amd reasons and on that bombshell it is time to end the show thank you for the amd rant simon we'll be back hopefully next week with more content until then have a great Easter. And thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.